With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. Warm up, brother, you low. Welcome to Love you, Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. We've got a great podcast for you guys. We're going to be joined in segment number two by Curtis Rogers. He does great work over at 710 Seattle Sports as he does the pre- and post-game hosting for the Seattle Mariners. Top of that, if you just are out there in the Seattle slash Pacific Northwest area. He does a great job covering all the local teams, but we're going to talk with him about what we've all seen out of the Seattle Mariners thus far this season, the landscape of the AL West as well, and I know that the Mariners have been dealing with a few injuries. They've been dealing with some offensive inconsistencies, so get a little bit of insight there in the final segment. Going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Thursday as we touch them all. If you do have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at unit underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters EM. Naming does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you are able to find your own whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Five that five star review. Really did not get in any Twitter questions today, but we've got a few games from Tuesday night to clean up, and we had a nice day of baseball on Wednesday. So let's take a look back at it, try to find some trends in, try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. The Miami Marlins won on Tuesday by kind of six to two, and then. On Wednesday, they were able to get the job done by a count of 5-4. In the Tuesday game, you saw Orde Soler get a pair of home runs off of Brandon Fought for home runs number 8 and 9 of the season. And Azul Cesardo was incredible, giving up one run. Over the course of six innings, Uscar Brazobin, Dylan Floro, both provided a squirrel of setting in. The Arms and the Diamondbacks were able to get a solo home run off of Matt Barnes. As Evan Longoria got his fourth home run season, but for Fought, gives up six runs over the course of five innings, including a pair of home runs. Probably got called up to the big leagues a little bit early as Kevin Ginkle, Scott McGoo, they were able to provide a combined four scoreless settings. And then for the game on Wednesday, the 5-4 to four winner, most of the runs came in the fourth inning as Arizona got all four of their runs in the fourth inning. But the Miami Marlins, they were able to get a home run off the bat of A.C. Sanchez in their home run season. As for Merrill Kelly, it was a little bit of a rough go of it for him, giving up four runs in six innings, including that home run. Then Andrew Chafin. He acts up a run late in this game as 
He gives up a run in an inning. Kyle Nelson, Miguel Castro, they both provide a scoreless inning, but for the years in the Diamondbacks, they go just one of seven with men in scoring position, and after getting to Edward Cabrera, who just continues to be so inconsistent. Four walks and three and a third innings allowing four runs. The bullpen did their part for the Miami Marlins. Says from there, they go 17 outs without giving up a run. Brian Hoying, Tanner Scott combined for two scoreless innings. Uskar Bedazobin, Stephen Okert, they combined for five outs out of the bullpen. And then Dylan Floro, A.J. Puck, scoreless eighth and ninth innings to be able to get it done for the Miami Marlins. We saw the San Francisco Giants get a 4-1 to win on Tuesday and then get destroyed on Wednesday. As for the game on Tuesday, Logan Webb was able to just have the Washington Nationals offense in that web, giving up one run over the course of seven innings. Now, the Nationals were able to get nine hits in this one. They went one of 12 with the men in scoring position, and that in support of the turkey tosser Patrick Corbin, who gave up three runs, two of which were earned in six innings, giving up a home run to a little bit of a young gun, as it was home run number one of the season for shortstop Casey Schmidt. From there, you saw for the Nationals, Mason Thompson and Hobie Harris come in for an inning apiece. Thompson did allow a run in his inning of work. Meanwhile, for the Giants, you had Tyler Rogers, Camille Udevall be able to lend a scoreless inning. And then for the game on Wednesday, it was just all about the Washington Nationals trying to repay Josiah Gray for the runs that they have not been providing from early on during the season. 11-6, the Nationals get it done. As for Gray, he gets the third one of the season, giving up two runs and seven innings. You did see Thaddeus Ward along the Rasmo Ramirez both give up two runs in their one inning of work as for the Giants. They got a pair of home runs. Michael Conforto, fifth home run season. Lamonte Wade Jr. is seventh. But Sean Benea is right now looking just completely terrible out there. Eight runs, four of which were earned, given up in two and two-thirds innings, including home run. You had from there, Tristan Beck now looks so bad. Two runs through 105 innings as he gave up home run along the way before you have a run in that inning given up by Cole Waitis as for the Washington Nationals going deep for them. Lane Thomas, fourth home run season. And it was home run number one of the season for Riley Adams. So, Nationals able to get a nice win out there. You saw for the Houston Astros a pair of wins on both Tuesday and Wednesday. And, hey, that Wednesday win was our DK Nation right up pick. On Tuesday, it was 3-1 to one that they got it done as Martin Maldonado went deep off of Shoya Otani. Second home run season for Otani. Gives up that home run. Three runs to total over the course of seven innings before Andrew Wants cleans up two innings scoreless. Zach Neto was a lone form of offense for the LA Angels on Tuesday, getting his first home run season off of Framber Valdez. Valdez gives up that one solo run in eight innings, punches out 12, and then Ryan Presley, two punch outs as he's able to clean up the ninth inning scoreless. Presley would not keep the ninth inning scoreless on Wednesday and made a sweat, but the Astros. Got it done by a count of five to four for Presley. He gave up a home run to Shoya Otani, two runs in total in that ninth inning as Otani gets home run number eight of the season and early on in the game, Hunter Renfro got his 10th home run in the campaign off of Christian Javier and that's all Javier would give up. Giving up two runs over the course of six innings, punch shot 11, Hector Daris, Brian Abreu, both on to scoreless inning and for the Houston Astros, Jordan Alvarez took Griffin Canning deep for his eighth home run season for Canning. Things just completely unraveled for him in the fourth inning. Gives up a four spot in that inning. He goes three and two-thirds innings, giving up five runs, all of which were earned. There was an error out there, and it was on his own throwing error as it was in a pickoff attempt, and that's when things really went down the toilet bowl. For the Angels, by the way, five and a third innings of scoreless baseball out of the bullpen. Chris Savinsky, two scoreless innings. Jimmy Ergett, four outs out of the bullpen, scoreless. Ryan DePera, Tucker Davidson, they both landed scoreless inning, but Astros able to get it done, and now... 
they are back to being above 500 and where you'd expect them to be. You saw the Texas Rangers and Seattle Mariners split their last two games of their series as the Seattle Mariners got it done on Tuesday by kind of 5-0 to as Andrew Heaney had no support around him and really didn't pitch that good. Gave up four runs, three of which were earned at six and two-thirds innings, including a home run to Tom Murphy, home run number one of the season, George Kirby on the flip side. Seven scoreless settings before you have Justin Topa and Juan Then both line a scoreless setting. And for the Rangers, you did have Ian Kennedy give up one run in one and a third innings. And then turning it forward to Wednesday, four to three, the Texas Rangers got it done as Dane Dunning, he got her done and giving up two runs over the course of six innings. Josh Saboris, Will Smith get jiggy with it with a pair of scoreless innings. Brock Burke gives up a run in two-thirds of an inning. And Jonathan Hernandez was able to get an out out of the bullpen. But Marcus Simeon, he went deep off of Luis Castillo for his sixth film run season as Castillo allows three runs over the course of five innings. Matt Bradshaw should give up a run in two-thirds of an inning. And Gabe Spire was able to give you an out out of the bullpen. And then then Chris Flex, and Paul Seawalt. All deliver a scroll ascending, but not a lot of offense for the Seattle Mariners, and that doomed them. And then in terms of more of these standalone games that we saw on Wednesday, the Baltimore Orioles, they get two straight from the Tampa Bay Rays, 2-1. to one. They're able to get it done as Yoni Chorinos was a bulk guy after Jalen Beeks was able to lend two scoreless settings. Gave up two runs over the course of five innings and then Javi Guerra, a scoreless setting. But the Rays, they just ran cold with their offense once again, going one of eight with men in scoring position. As for Baltimore, Dean Kramer, he was terrific. Six scoreless settings. Austin both does allow a run out of the bullpen in one and a third innings. Andy Columbia, pair of outs out of the bullpen. And Yanir Cano, don't you know this guy has been tremendous. Another scoreless outing as he has now went 18 and two-thirds innings. He has not allowed a single run all season long. So the Baltimore Orioles now 24 and 13 and still trailing in that division. The Blue Jays are trailing in the American League East as well. They lose to the Philadelphia Phillies by kind of 2-1. to one. Kevin Gosman, a good start that completely went to waste. He had nine strikeouts to zero walks and six scoreless settings. Yimi Garcia, Eric Swanson both provide a scoreless setting. And then Jordan Romano, he's unable to hold it down in the ninth inning, gives up a run. Then Tim Mesa allows an unearned run in the tenth inning. The team was hurt by a Boba Shit throwing error as well. But for the Blue Jays, 0 of 9 with men in scoring position. Lone run in this game for them. Game off the bat of Brandon Belt. Second home run season off of Zach Whelan and Dylan Wheeler, which he was Whelan and he was Dylan, giving up that one run in seven innings. From there, Craig Kimbrell, Sir Anthony Dominguez, Gregory Soto, all lend a scoreless inning for the Philadelphia Phillies to get back to 18-19. and 19. Out in the AL East, you saw the Yankees just land base. The Oakland A's, who are now 8-30, and 30, by the way. I mean, they always say that the worst baseball teams get 60 wins. The best baseball teams, they lose 60 games. I don't think that the Oakland A's are coming anywhere close to 60 wins at this point. 11-3, the final. Kyle Mueller gets completely just ran out of the building in this one. Six runs surrendered over the course of four innings as he allows a home run to one Harrison Bader, his third home run season. Then Anthony Volpe gets his fourth home run campaign. DJ Turner and El Flamayu gets his fifth as those both come off of Rico Garcia. And you look like Uncle Rico in this one. Gave up five runs and he provided two outs, giving up those two home runs. Shadetto Fujinami, two and a third inning, scoreless, and then Richard Lovelady is scoreless inning, but too little too late. And for the A's, they got three solo home runs. J.J. Blade gets a third home run of the campaign. Jace Peterson, great name, second home run season. Then it was home run number two of the campaign for Carlos Perez. As 
For the Yankees, Johnny Brito gave up two of those three home runs, going four and a third innings, giving up two runs. And then you did have one run surrendered in three innings from Davey Garcia. You also had Jimmy Cordero come in, giving up nothing in his five outs out of the bullpen. The Colorado Rockies, they go to Pittsburgh, and they get it done by a count of four to three. Good news is the Pirates were able to score more than two runs for the first time in eight games. Bad news is they still only scored three as for Colorado, Antonio Sensatello, not long for this game, gives up three runs over the course of two and two-thirds innings as he was taken deep twice. Topico Marcano was able to get his first home run season and Andrew McCutcheon, seventh home run season for Hill. He was not long for this game either. Gives up three runs, one of which was earned in three and two-thirds innings. And then from there, both bullpens did a solid job. Colin Olderman, David Benar, a scoreless inning. You had Robert Stevenson give up a run in his inning, but Jose Hernandez and out of the bullpen. Dodi Maretta for the Pittsburgh Pirates, two scoreless innings, but for the Colorado Rockies, you had Peter Lambert come in, give two and a third inning scoreless. Daniel Bard, right hand, goodbye for two scoreless innings, and then Pierce Johnson, Justin Lawrence. They both land scoreless innings, so the Colorado Rockies able to get another win. The LA Dodgers just completely took it to the Milwaukee Brewers, 8-1 to the final as the LA Dodgers don't look now, but they're now 23-15 and after a little bit of a rough start to the season. These guys are back, and they're back in full force as they got a trio of home runs as Miguel Vargas gets his fourth home run season, and Will Smith gets jiggy with it, along with Freddie Freeman. They both get their sixth home runs of the season as Wade Miley gave up all three of those home runs. Seven runs in total over the course of five innings. It's not a party in the USA, and it certainly was not a party in Milwaukee. Colin Rhea from there. Gives up a run in two-thirds of an angel. Piamps, one and a third inning scoreless before Hobie Muller, Devin Williams, both land a scoreless inning and One form of offense for the Brewers, William Contreras gets his third home run season as Clayton Kershaw was stealing. Gives up that one run over the course of seven innings before Wander. I swear, oh, this guy sucks. Did not suck. Two scoreless innings. He sucks against everyone except for the Milwaukee Brewers. Go figure there as... You also had the Detroit Tigers take down the Cleveland Guardians 5-0. Guardians, by the way, you've had with them thus far this season, 12 overs, 24 unders, and a push. They are your top under team in all baseball thus far this season. As for Detroit, you didn't have any home runs, but they went 4 of 10 with men in scoring position. And Eduardo Rodriguez, another really good start. He has now allowed two runs across his last six starts, seven scoreless innings. Jason Foy, Jason Shreve. They both lend a scoreless setting in for Cleveland. Peyton Battenfield, well, he was not batting down the hatches. Five runs, four of which were earned, surrendered in six innings. Aniel De Los Santos, Nick Sandlin, Eli Morgan all lend a scoreless setting from there, but nothing doing for Cleveland. A whole lot doing for the New York Mets pitching as they are able to take down the Cincinnati Reds by a count of two to one. Very good start from Justin Verlander. He gives up just one run over the course of seven innings. And Pete Alonso, main form of offense, for the New York Mets, he gets home run number 13 of the campaign. That comes off of Hunter Green. As Green, he allows two runs over the course of five and a third innings. And, and for the Mets, they probably should have gotten more than two runs considering they got 10 hits in this game. But the bullpen of the Cincinnati Reds did their part as at Alex Young, Casey Lugamina, combined for a scoreless inning. Ian Gabo, one and two-thirds inning scoreless. Buck Farmer, a scoreless inning as well. But for the New York Mets, you had Adam Adovino come in. He was able to do a nice job of shutting the door for the New York Mets. So they are able to get that one done. Doing this as this game is going final. But we've currently got the Chicago Cubs up by kind of 6-2 on the St. Louis Cardinals. Doing this a little bit early because the Greg Peterson experience is out from midnight to 3 Eastern time. But for Jordan Montgomery, 
He has just been getting completely smoked in this one, giving up two home runs. Six runs in total over the course of five innings as Jan Gomes and Patrick Wisdom took him deep. Wisdom, 12th home run season. Gomes is sixth. Justin Seal this far has given up two runs over the course of five plus innings. So we shall see what happens there. But it does look like the Cubs are going to be able to bounce back after a few losses. The Boston Red Sox, they were able to get the job done against the Atlanta Braves by a count of 5-2 as the Braves' bullpen game honestly wasn't going too bad until Rossi Iglesias came into the game. Dylan Lee, he was pretty much the opener, two and two-thirds innings, scoreless. Colin McHughie gives up two runs over the course of one and a third innings, and then you have a pair of guys in Jesse Chavez and Young come in for a scoreless inning. A.J. Minter, though, got into a little bit of problems Gave up a run in a third of an inning before Nick Anderson got five outs out of the bullpen scoreless. And then Rossi Iglesias gives up a home run, two runs in total, two-thirds of an inning before Joe Jimenez has to get the last out for the team. As going deep, Tristan Cussis, fifth home run season as Brian Bale. Two runs, both of which were earned, given up in six innings out of him as going deep for Atlanta. Ronald Acuna Jr., seventh home run season, but giving up two runs against the Braves, that's pretty darn solid as Chris Martin, Kenley Jansen, Josh Winkowski were all able to end a scoreless inning for the Red Sox to extend to 22-16. And, and a rare under for the Red Sox as well as they've really been your top over team in all baseball thus far this season. As we've got 25 overs, 12 unders, and a push. Ironically enough, your second best over team is the Oakland A's right now playing 66.6% of their games to the over thus far. You saw the Kansas City Royals just take it to the Chicago White Sox 9-1 as it has been a really sad season for the White Sox now. 13-25, Lance Lynn gets lit up again. He's up to a 7.51 ERA. So he gives up a pair of home runs as taking him deep. Nick Prado, second home run season. Michael Massey, he gets his first. And then Ed Alvarez, he was able to get a home run later on in the game. His third of the campaign that comes off of Nick Padilla. Padilla, he gives up two runs over the course of his two innings. Lance Lynn, seven runs surrendered in five innings before Keenan Middleton, one of the few guys doing his job for the Chicago White Sox, was able to end a scoreless inning in for the Royals. Brian Keller gave up four walks in five innings, but only gave up one run, and from there, a bottom five bullpen in the big leagues in terms of ERA got the job done. Amir Garrett, Josh Shamon, Taylor Clark, Jose Cuas. They all land a scoreless inning. You did see the San Diego Padres and Minnesota Twins have to go to extra innings as well as I am doing this as the game is going to be going into an 11th inning with Josh Hader just being now used up by the San Diego Padres in the 10th inning as he allowed a run in that inning as it is currently 3-3 for the San Diego Padres. Juan Soto was able to go deep. Sixth home run season that comes off of Pablo Lopez who gave up just that one run in six and a third innings. Brock Stewart. He got a pair of outs out of the bullpen before Orde Lopez gives up a run in an inning. Yohan Duran has went two scoreless, and both of these teams have been having their struggles driving men in. So we shall see how that game turns out, and it's been a very interesting start to the season in general in terms of baseball. Lots of overs very early on, but things have really ironed out as, as I sit here right now with that Padres versus Twins game in the balance. 267 overs to 267 unders. 50-50 on the nose. So bookmakers doing their part there, I will say. Favorites have been relatively solid on the money line. 321 and 231s for a 58.2% hit rate. But if you're looking at favorites on the run line, we have now seen a grand total of 82 be unable to cover the run line. And if you're taking a look at the last seven days, it's been a dog day at the park. Favorites, 43 and 48 on the money line. Hitting at just 47.3%. So... Yeah, if you've been taking the underdogs, it's been going very well for you. And 
favorites on the run line. You've seen just 29 be able to cover. So 14 of those teams that have won outright on the money line have failed to be able to cover the minus one and a half. Meanwhile, unders in the last seven days have been relatively solid as well. 46 unders to 43 overs with two pushes along the way. That's where we're seeing Major League Baseball right now, and that's what we all got on late Tuesday into Wednesday. And coming up next, we're going to be talking some American Leagues. We're going to be talking about the Seattle Mariners and so much more with Curtis Rogers, who does great work at 710 Seattle Sports. He joins me next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. What's up, sandwich heads? Today on Steve-O's Sandwich Reviews, we've got the tips and tricks to the best sandwich order. And it all starts with this little guy right here. Pepsi Zero Sugar. Partial to pastrami, craving a Cubano. Yeah, sounds delicious, but boom! Add the crisp, refreshing taste of Pepsi Zero Sugar and cue the fireworks. Lunch, dinner, or late night, it'll be a sandwich worth celebrating. Trust me, your boy's eaten a lot of sandwiches in his day, and the one thing I can say with absolute fact, every bite is better with Pepsi. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Always great to be joined by this man. It's Curtis Rogers. Does tremendous work over at 710 Seattle Sports. He is the Seattle Mariners pre- and post-game host. On top of that, he does great work with so many of the afternoon shows that you do here on 710 Seattle Sports. He does the Seattle Sports Night, Seattle Sports Saturday podcast. I know that he has been trying to track a little bit of everything, everything between Gonzaga, what they've done in the offseason in college basketball, the Seattle Kraken and their NHL playoff run. You had the Seattle Seahawks have their draft a few weeks ago, so this man has been very busy, but does a great job of juggling it all, and you're able to follow him on Twitter and Instagram at a kid from Ken and Curtis. It's always great to have you aboard. Thank you. Greg, always enjoy getting the call from you and always making time for you because this is one of my favorite parts of doing what I do is is hopping on with you. And, yeah, it has been a whirlwind up here in the great Northwest, but Mariners baseball at the forefront of it. You mentioned all the other things going on right now, but, yeah, the Mariners having a, a tougher time of it here in the early goings of the season, but it's definitely made for some very interesting storylines. And it does feel a little bit reminiscent of last year as well, because I think that a lot of people forget with the run that the Seattle Mariners had towards the second part of the season, they were right around 500 when it came to the middle of May last season as well. And what have you all noticed from the Mariners? Because, I mean, it feels like that great pitching that the Mariners typically have, it's been there once again, but what really plagued them last season as they were able to get into the postseason despite it was just inconsistency at the plate. And right now the Seattle Mariners once again, much like last year, do find themselves in the bottom five in terms of batting average. 
Yeah, the inconsistency at the plate has been their biggest hiccup this season. They've been chasing a lot more than they have been really in any sort of season in the last couple of years. Blocks are down, strikeouts are up, and that's not a winning formula with the bats. And you look at the Mariners pitching staff, in terms of Fangraph's war, it's it's the best in baseball. So when you have a pitching staff as good as the Mariners, you, you kind of expect to be at least a winning ball club this late into the season. I mean, we're 37 games in here in Seattle, so they've got a plus 14 run differential. It's not like they are getting blown out in all these games or anything, but it feels like their luck has kind of reverted back to the mean a little bit. Last couple of years, they've been the best team in baseball in one-run games. They've had plenty of comeback wins, but that just hasn't been the case this season. They're 4-11 in one-run games to start this season. Kind of the exact opposite of the Miami Marlins, who I believe won, have won like 13 in a row in terms of one-run games. So you look at the Mariners right now, kind of the things that made them what they were in 2022 and 2021 uh, hasn't been the case so far here in 2023. And how much do you think that they are sort of paying the toll for what happened the last few years? Because I still remember that epic 2021 season where they very nearly made the playoffs with like a negative 50 run differential because you mentioned it, they were just incredible in one-run games. And you're going to be better in one-run games, in my opinion, when you've got a good bullpen and the Seattle Mariners have been one of the best in the league with that regard, but how much do you think that this is just a little bit of payback from what we saw the last two seasons? It's very possible. You know, winning those kinds of games, those kinds of close one-run games come from behind victories, it's very tough to replicate year in and year out. Now, I do think the Mariners enjoy being in that scenario. They kind of enjoy being in those close games because they know they have a chance to win at the very end, but It is so hard to do that year in and year out. It is such a fine line to walk every single time when you're in that scenario. You can't really be surprised when a game that close doesn't go your way. But to see it kind of go the polar opposite from what they were last season and the year before that, I think it's been a a really tough thing for Mariners fans to kind of wrap their heads around here in the season's first month and a half because for Wednesday, as an example, it was a one-run game against the Texas Rangers. They lose that one in that series against Texas. They only allow six runs over the three games and drop two of three. That's not fun. But now you look at the bigger picture. They're seven and three in their last ten. They just had a nine-game stretch against all AL West opponents. They went six and three on that, so it wasn't all bad. But getting over that hump of 500, you know, pushing that boulder up the hill and getting it to stay has been the toughest thing for the Mariners right now. And you wonder if they're going to be able to do it on this road trip. They got the Tigers coming up for three starting on Friday. You've got the Red Sox who have a winning record this season. And then you've also got a really tough one against the Atlanta Braves who will have the best record in the National League right now. So it's going to be a very tough go of it here over the next you know week and a half for the Mariners. But there are signs with the pitching staff being the biggest sign as to the Mariners having success this season. And if they can continue with that, those four guys at the top of the rotation, Luis Castillo, George Kirby, Logan Gilbert, and now Bryce Miller added to that, I think that can be a really, really formidable pitching staff that can lift them in games where their offense just isn't showing up. And how much are you concerned about some of the injuries to the entire rotation that we've seen with the Seattle Mariners? Because as we know, Robbie Ray has pitched as many innings as myself thus far this season. (laughs) Ben Murphy is on the injured list. Andres Munoz, who has really been one of the best relievers, has been now put on the injured list as well. And I take a look at the bullpen, and they've gotten some very unexpected production out of guys like 
Justin Topa, Trevor Gott. I believe that they're giving innings to a guy by the name of Juan Fenn. And, I mean, these guys have all been able to really just do an amazing job. I just wonder how sustainable it might be for someone like a Taylor Saucedo to continue his zero ERA. Yeah, another guy thrown in there, too, is Gabe Spire, who came up right after Robbie Ray got injured. He's running a .63 ERA in 14 and a third innings pitch. But you mentioned that rash of injuries. We've talked about how the Mariners' luck in one-run games this season has not gone the way that Mariners fans have kind of become used to. Well, last year, the health of the rotation was so absurdly good. Every single one of their starting pitchers made their scheduled starts last season. There was not a a pitcher that needed time off because of injury, that needed time off because of extra rest or anything like that. Every single one of them made every single start. Now there were, you know, some doubleheaders in there where they needed a guy to bring up from AAA who to start the second half of that doubleheader. So there were a couple random starts thrown in there, but they didn't lose a single game to injury last year out of their starting rotation. Obviously, you've lost, I think, about 162 games to injury this season with Robbie Ray, obviously, going on the injured list, getting Tommy John surgery. But I think the biggest thing in terms of injured Mariners right now would be Andres Munoz, whether or not he is going to be coming back anytime soon. Scott Service gave some injury updates on Tuesday of this week, and it sounds like Munoz might not be ready to go until June, and that is going to be a huge loss because if you recall, in the playoffs last year, Munoz was the Mariners' highest leverage guy. He was the guy that they were bringing in no matter the situation, no matter the inning. He was there to get some big outs for them. Had varying levels of success in the postseason. We all remember the home run he gave up to Alex Bregman in Game 1 of the American League Division Series that then set the table for Jordan Alvarez's go-ahead home run, his game-winning home run, to finish that game off. But Munoz is so important to what the Mariners' bullpen does, but Look, they have been able to get a lot of good innings out of their bullpen from guys, as you mentioned, Greg, you know, Trevor Gott, Justin Topa, you know, just guys who are not anybody that anybody would really pay attention to most years. But look, those guys have been pitching in higher leverage situations and they've been delivering so far. And I think the Mariners have confidence in them right now to kind of weather that storm until, you know, somebody like Munoz can come back and, and contribute. And then 110 you bring up, too. I mean, that's an interesting one. He's only pitched, I believe, like 66 innings in the minors. He's had a really interesting career in the minors. He was a Mariners farmhand, then traded to the Yankees and traded back to the Mariners in all sorts of interesting trades. I think Edwin Encarnacion was the guy who he got traded for. So bringing him up, you know, hey, look, who else can – can pitch some big innings for this team as they kind of wait for Andres Munoz to to turn the corner in his recovery. But I don't know when that day is going to come because uh, it just sounds like the injuries are piling up right now for this pitching staff, but they've been able to be competitive still. You know it's a long and winding road when you were a part of a trade that involved Edwin Encarnacion. So, <laughs> yeah, there's been a lot of intrigue there. And, and there's been a lot of intrigue in the entire AL West. As joining me on the podcast, we've got Curtis Rogers. He does great work over at 710 Seattle Sports because, I mean, really everyone that is of any sort of competition in the AOS has been able to pitch relatively well in the bullpen. I was very surprised to see that the – LA Angels are currently in the top seven in terms of bullpen ERA. Now, both of us covering baseball know that this is not to be the case when it comes to October. But and that said, thus far, they've been able to do an okay job. The Texas Rangers, they've gotten off to a nice start. As we know, the Houston Astros, even though they've been a little bit cold, that they're going to pick it up. 
what have you made just out of the entirety of this division? Because the more that I look at the Rangers, the more that I think that they're going to stay in. When I take a look at the four top teams in the American League West, the Oakland A's, who are soon going to be the Las Vegas Rays, apparently playing at the Tropicana, I don't think that they are worth <laughs> mentioning at this point because they just don't pay enough money to be mentioned on this show. But that said, well, in terms of the top four teams, the one team that I think is going to fall off is the LA Angels because I do think that that pitching is going to regress once again. And they just once again have two amazing players, Mike Trout and Shoy Otani, that don't have a lot of help around them. Yeah, looking at this AL West race, I think the Rangers are for real. Second best run differential in all of baseball, plus 82. They're 22 and 14. They picked up a game on the Mariners this week by taking two of three from them. I think the Rangers are going to be a very formidable team in the AL West this season, making it, I think, at least a a two-horse race between them and Houston. I think the Mariners can still get back into it. They're just four and a half back of Texas right now, so it's not like they're, you know, waving goodbye to anybody at this point. But I think the Rangers are a team that's going to be a very good team this year, and they're doing what they're doing right now largely without Corey Seager, who was one of the best bats in all of baseball through the season's first couple weeks, but he has been out for nearly a month now. So we're waiting to see what he will be once he returns from the injured list. But, I mean, you look at this Rangers line, and Marcus Semien now delivering on what he was when they signed him to that big contract last year. Adelise Garcia, nine home runs, 36 runs driven in, an OPS 809. He's been a fun player to watch this season. And then Jonah Heim, how about his production behind the plate? A 937 OPS, one of the best offensive catchers in the game right now. And I think it's shown flashes over the last couple of years, but I don't know if anybody expected him to get off to the kind of start to the season that he's gotten off to. So he's been a really big bat, really big, important piece to what they're doing in Texas. I think the biggest question mark for them, though, is going to be what do they do with Jacob DeGrom's spot in the rotation? Now, when he's healthy, he has been very good. His 30 innings pitched, 45 strikeouts already, an ERA sub three. Dane Dunning had a really good start today against the Mariners. So maybe that's somebody that can kind of take DeGrom's spot in the rotation until he comes back. Uh, but you look at the other guys in that rotation, Nathan Eovaldi, that to me was a very under-the-radar signing this offseason. I've really liked his stuff in his career. Strikes out a ton of guys, and he has really been everything that they could have hoped for. John Gray, a very dependable guy. Not going to wow you by any stretch of the imagination, but he'll give you some quality starts. And then Martin Perez coming off a career year last year, kind of duplicating what he did a year ago. So Texas is obviously kind of new to the scene for a lot of people just kind of catching up to speed on the 2023 season, but they don't have many holes on their roster right now. And I think that's a team that is going to be very competitive this year in the American League West. I do think so as well. I take a look at this American League West and I still can't cut out the Houston Astros because you know that Jose Altuve is going to be getting back in the fold along with Michael Bradley and this pitching has still been really good, but I do think that the entirety of the AOS going to be interesting. And, hey, the Texas Rangers this weekend, they get the Oakland A's. So I guess the <laughs> Oakland A's are going to get a little bit of mention because they're probably going to be getting lambasted this weekend as well. As joining me on the podcast, we do have Curtis Rogers. He does great work over at 710 Seattle Sports. And then just in terms of the landscape of Major League Baseball, have, been, have there been teams outside of the American League West that have caught your fancy, whether it be a team that has been surprising in a very good way or a team that you had high expectations for and they've just simply flopped this far. 
Well, one team that I think has exceeded my expectations early on in the season is the Baltimore Orioles. Now, I thought they were going to be a, a good team this season, but they are in second place right now in a very tough American League East. Everybody has a record above 500, and that Orioles team just has so many waves of talent coming up to the major league level. We all know Adley Rutschman, how great he has been. But also you've got Gunnar Henderson, who has gotten off to a slow start, but still has all the talent in the world. Grayson Rodriguez, who is a very exciting player on that roster. I wonder, though, how their starting pitching is going to hold up because their offense has really been carrying the load for them as a lot of their starting pitchers right now have pretty high ERAs. Tyler Wells has the lowest right now at 3.15, but Kyle Gibson's up over four. Dean Kramer's up over five. Same with Grayson Rodriguez. This is going to be a fun team to watch over the next couple of years as they continue to graduate more and more players to the big league level. And look, I mean, Jackson Holiday's kind of the next guy in their pipeline. Heston Sherstad's another guy, too, that's coming up. And how about Yanir Cano coming out of their bullpen this season? That's a name that I frankly never heard of prior to this season, but 17 and two-thirds innings pitch for him, three hits allowed, no runs, no walks, 21 strikeouts. That is an incredible stat line, uh, one that I don't think is getting talked about enough across Major League Baseball. Uh, that is somebody who has been really fun to watch coming out of the Orioles' bullpen this season. And then in terms of a team that is just kind of left a little bit to be desired, I think the San Diego Padres, for me, are that team. They have a winning record right now, 19-17, and 17, but guys like Juan Soto, guys like Manny Machado, they have not been what we've expected of those guys over the years. Jake Cronenworth is hitting below his sort of expectations. Sung Kim is another guy not really delivering with the bat, although he's been really good with the glove this season. Fernando Tatis Jr., they're kind of waiting for him to kind of get back to who he was. Matt Carpenter not having fun hitting in Petco Park, which is a lot different than hitting in New Yankee Stadium, which is, you know, a little league field, which he kind of took advantage of last season. I wonder just how good this Padres team can be this season. A ton of pressure on them to get to a World Series to improve upon last year's NLCS trip. So I wonder if that's kind of weighing on them right now. I hope for the excitement of baseball that they are are in the thick of things coming up this summer. But right now they have gotten off to a slower start than I think anticipated. Yeah, with the San Diego Padres, if you take out of the mix the fact that they had those two games in Mexico City, they entered into Wednesday hitting at 223 as a collective and averaging about 3.8 runs per contest, which the only team averaging fewer than the National League entering into Wednesday was the Washington Nationals. So not so great there. Not everyone could be like the great Curtis Rogers, who does amazing work <laughs> over at 710 Seattle Sports. Curtis, I know that your main beat right now is the Seattle Mariners pre- and post-game work, but you have a handle a little bit of everything that goes on in the Seattle sports landscape. So let the good people at home know what's all on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. Yeah, we have got plenty of Mariners coverage going on here at Seattle Sports. My latest edition of the Extra Innings podcast releases on Thursday. Daniela Bruce of DetroitTigers.com will join me as we talk some Tigers baseball along with the Mariners. And then plenty of Mariners coverage, pre- and post-game shows all weekend long. And there's just something for everybody this time of year. Kraken are just going nuts in the playoffs right now. 
they're locked in their series with the Dallas Stars. So all sorts of reaction to that and all sorts of coverage. And uh, SeattleSports.com is where you want to go for all that. And then, as Greg said, add a kid from Kent on Twitter and Instagram. And Curtis does an absolutely incredible job taking a look at so many different things. It is a very lively landscape out there in Seattle right now, especially with, as we mentioned, the Kraken being in the postseason. So no shortage of fun there. And every single time Curtis joins this podcast, he learns great insights, much like he did today. So big thanks, Curtis, for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Visa family of podcasts. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast. They give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Thursday as we touch them all. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. Everybody here love you, Las Vegas, for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Always great to get Curtis Rogers aboard. He does great work over at 710 Seattle Sports, doing the pre- and post-game shows for the Seattle Mariners. Every single time he joins this podcast, Always does a great job with his insights and should be a very interesting season for the Seattle Mariners. Has been a little bit topsy-turvy for they and really all these teams in the American League West. So no shortage of excitement there and no shortage of great insights from our good friend Curtis in the last segment. Big thanks to him for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show. And now it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Thursday as we... Touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do you note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GNN underscore D1. Gonna be going in Las Vegas rotation or This is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games, and our lone intro league game. That is going to be at the bottom. That is gonna be keeping things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. So without further ado, let's dive in on this first game that is Currently off the board, by the way, 951-952 on the betting board. It is the New York Mets on the road facing off against the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, Bill Belichick, we are on to Cincinnati, who's on to to be determined getting the start for them. Meanwhile, it's going to be Kodai Senga, who's going to be going for the New York Mets. It's sounding like Ben Lively. Yes, Ben Lively, no relation to Blake Lively, going to be getting the start for the Reds, and if it is Mr. Lively against Kodai Senga, well, I don't think the Reds are going to be so lively on the money line. I said the Mets minus 168 would be one lay of minus 112 on the run line with a total of 9.8, where a 9.5 or less, I'd be taking a look at the over and a 10 or higher, I'd be taking a look at the under. For Ben Lively, I believe that he spent a little bit of time out there in the KBO that might have been of relation to Mr. Lively, but if I remember correctly, during that pandemic year, he was with the Samsung Lions, and he didn't necessarily pitch that well. He's been doing a solid job with the Louisville Bats this season. He's went 4-0 with a 2.33 ERA, but at the minor league level, he's got 3.3 walks per nine innings with 5.3 strikeouts per nine innings. If he's trying to get by in the MLB level with 5.3 strikeouts per nine innings while giving up over three walks per nine innings, I really do salute him because I think that he is going to get hammered. Meanwhile, Kodai Senga, he's been able to do a relatively solid job this far in his recent last two starts, a combined 11 innings, giving up two runs. Now, those last two starts came at home against the Washington Nationals and the Colorado Rockies, and he has face-off against, let's call it what it is, some rather poor competition, but... He is going up against the Cincinnati Reds lineup that they've been able to average a little bit over five runs per game at home thus far this season, but this is a very light inning team. They entered into 
the game on Wednesday with just one player with more than three home runs. That would be Spencer Steer, who's been able to go deep four times thus far this season. Now, for the Cincinnati Reds, you do have guys that are able to move the line. Jonathan India is hitting a little bit over 300, along TJ Friedel, Nick Senzel, Tyler Stevenson, Steer, I mentioned, Henry Ramos. A lot of guys in between about a 250 to a 265, but you don't have a lot of power with this lineup. Now, what I do like about the Cincinnati Reds is that the bullpen has been relatively decent. Alexis Diaz, since beginning part of the last season, has had right around a two-ish ERA. You've been able to have some of these guys like a Buck Farmer, Ian Gabo, guys that just throughout his career have not necessarily been too amazing. They've been able to step up thus far this season. When you get into some of the longer guys, it is a little bit more of a roll of the dice. But with that said, they go up against the New York Mets team that they entered into Wednesday 20th in terms of bullpen ERA as they've been having to trust in... Guys like Tommy Hunter, Dominique Leon, Jeff Brigham and company, David Robertson is someone I do certainly like. And for the New York Mets, the team has been relatively light hitting thus far this season. Entered into a Wednesday hitting just a 236 as a collective, but this really feels like a good get right spot. Jeff McNeil, along with Brandon Nimmo, both have been able to give you north of a 375 on base. Along Daniel Vogelback, the batting average has honestly been there, but these guys have been able to do a solid job of being able to draw walks. Pete Alonso, 12 home runs as far this season, though. He's only been able to slug out two home runs in the last 19 days going into yesterday, so that's been a little bit of a sticky situation for him, but I do think that he is going to be able to pick it up a little bit more on that front, and then you've got a lot of guys that he just haven't been able to find it that I do think are going to be better as the season goes along, as Tommy Pham, Sterling Marte, Francisco Lindor, Eduardo Escobar, all these guys entered into Wednesday hitting a 225 or lower. So I do think that we're going to see some positive progression there as long as you get Mr. Lively out there. And I mean, if you get a bullpen game as well, it's going to be relatively similar. But I did set the Mets in this situation minus 168 on the money line. We'll be willing to lay up to a minus 112 on the run line. And then when it comes to the total 9.5 or less, looking at the over 10 or higher to the under 953, 954 on the betting board. The San Francisco Giants are on the road facing off against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Tommy Henry goes... For the Snakes, and Alex Cobb is going for San Francisco. Nine is the total. The over is minus 115. The under is minus 105 with San Francisco. They're anywhere between minus 130 to minus 135 favorites. And between plus 115 and plus 120 is your number on the Arizona Diamondbacks. And with the Snakes, I was willing to take anything of a plus 117 or greater. Alex Cobb has been solid the last few seasons for the San Francisco Giants, but he does have some relatively demonstrative Home and road splits. Last season, he was able to perform very well when he was at home. Meanwhile, on the road, he had a 520 ERA. And over the last few seasons, his ERA is north of a 450 when he does leave home. Now, if you take a look at some of the advanced stats, fielding independent, what have you, you'll see that he has been quite unlucky on balls in play. But the one thing with the Arizona Diamondbacks is they've really been able to do a solid job of being able to get on base when they've been at home. They haven't necessarily had a lot of thumping, though. Christian Walker entering into yesterday. In the last 15 days, he has been able to do an incredible job of providing power. Six home runs, hitting about a 350 over the last 15 days. So he has really been able to pick it up. But at home, going into yesterday, the years under Diamondbacks, hitting a 292 as a collective. That is the top mark in the National League. It's not necessarily come with a lot of power. 19 home runs in the first 18 games of the season at home. And that's very reminiscent of what we saw last season. But got a lot of guys 
That'll be able to do a nice job reaching base. Gabriel Moreno, Lourdes Gurriel, both of these guys hitting right around 300. You've had Geraldo Perdomo this year between home and road games hitting at 373. I don't think that that's going to be long-lasting. Emmanuel Rivera has been hitting above a 350 as well. So you've had some guys that there's going to be some regression with. And for the San Francisco Giants, what has been truly future for this team has been the bullpen. They are dead last in the National League in terms of bullpen ERA, though I will say for the years of the Diamondbacks, they're in the bottom eight in terms of bullpen ERA as well. I think there's going to be some positive progression with this. Scott Alexander had a sub-3 ERA last season, and he's been posting up north of a 5 this year. Camilo Duvall has been solid in the San Francisco Giants bullpen, but really past that, Rogers squared has been not necessarily so great. Cole Waitis is 9 ERA. It's bad, and I do think he's going to be able to pitch a little bit better than that. And then for the Arizona Diamondbacks, Andrew Chafin, Miguel Castro, both of these guys were picked up in the offseason, and both have been a little bit of a mess. Both of these guys posting up north of a 3-3 ERA, but Joe Mantiplies been solid. Kyle Nelson is someone I do like. You just need to avoid some of these guys like Kevin Ginkle and company. And for the San Francisco Giants, it's very much an all-or-nothing lineup. They've been able to supply right around 2.1 home runs per game when they have been away from home, but they're not necessarily hitting for the world's greatest average. Hitting at 243 as a collective, which it's not great. It's not terrible. Therio Estrada has been amazing at being able to move the line. J.D. Davis is hitting about a 280 as well. Therio Estrada, by the way, hitting a 338 thus far this season, but for the Giants, it's all about platoon splits and just finding those right matchups in general, because when it comes to the San Francisco Giants, I firmly believe that you're not going to have a guy that hits for north of 30 home runs this season, but you're going to have like eight different guys that hit about 20, and that's indicative of that right now. You've got seven different guys with at least five home runs. Meanwhile, J.D. Davis, Lamonte Wade Jr., they both have been able to pound out seven. A little bit of an all-or-nothing offense here, and I do think for Tommy Henry, he is going to be able to rein it in a little bit more. He's been able to do an okay job this season of keeping the ball in the yard. One home run given up in 15 and two-thirds innings was a little bit wobbly when he had his road start against the Colorado Rockies, but take that one out of the fold. He's given up five runs over the course of 10 and a third innings against the Royals and the Washington Nationals at home. I'm expecting a little bit more of this. Strikeout stuff has not necessarily been there. Seven punch-outs in 15 and two-thirds innings, but I do think that he's going to be able to keep the ball in the yard here, which will help out with the under. I do think that it's sort of going to be a death by a million cuts circumstance with the Arizona Diamondbacks. So I did set the Diamondbacks as a plus 116 underdog. We'll take the plus 120 that I'm seeing here. So I'm a total at an 8.8. So Seeing the 9, I'm going to be taking a look at that under as well. 9.55, 9.56 on the betting board. The Kansas City Royals playoffs to the Chicago White Sox. Mike Clevenger goes for the Southsiders. And Brady Singer is on the bump for Kansas City. The Royals are between minus 107 to minus 115. Favorites Eddie between even money and minus 107 is your number on the White Sox. 9.5 to 10 is your total on the 9.5. The overs between minus 115 to a minus 120. The under is Eddie between even and minus 105. On the 10, the under is minus 115. And the over, it is minus 105. Did somebody tell it a 9.2? I'm going to be taking a look at the under. You got a pair of guys that have really struggled on the mound this season. Brady Singer. After last year, he was so good. The Royals went 12-4 and in his last 16 starts of the season last year. They have went just 1-4 and in his last five starts after a relatively good start to the year as he has allowed five-plus runs in four out of his last five starts. Good news is now he's going up against a Chicago White Sox team that Let's call it what it is. They don't necessarily have a lot of pop, though. I will say, for the Chicago White Sox, 
you do have quite a few guys that have been able to do a decent job of moving the line. Now, the White Sox are not hitting lefties the same way that they have in the past, but fortunately that is not going to apply in this circumstance. But right now you've got Gavin Sheets, Eloy Jimenez, Yasmani Grandal, Luis Robert, Andrew Benatendi, Tim Anderson. Only between about a 255 to a 265. You haven't necessarily been able to get a lot of thumping out of these guys. Jake Berger, Luis Robert, both between 7 and 8 home runs apiece. Past that, nobody else has really been able to give you north of 4, but it does feel like reinforcements are on the way. They're still dealing with being without Yohan Moncada, but by and large, things are looking a little bit better for them, especially with Adam Aisley being able to step up in the outfield. Now, for both of these teams, they rank at the bottom 5 in terms of bullpen ERA and for the Chicago White Sox. At this point, other than Gregory Santos and Keenan Middleton, they don't have a single guy you can rely upon. Reynaldo Lopez, Kendall Graveman, Aaron Bomber, Jimmy Lambert, all these guys north of a 450 ERA, and Joe Kelly just should not be in the league. Meanwhile, for the Royals, Scott Barlow has been a hot mess this season. Taylor Clark has been bad. Jose Cuas has north of a 5 ERA. Josh Shamon has actually been halfway decent, but the other Josh, Josh Taylor, stopping great roles chairman. He's been able to give you some relatively rock-solid innings, but it's been a little bit disastrous there. And then for Mike Clevenger, he just seems to rein it in in terms of command. A little bit north of four walks per nine innings. He has a lot at least three-plus runs, and now uh, three out of his last four starts. But I have been noticing that the strikeout numbers, they're starting to get back to where they were in past years. He's been able to give the team about eight-and-a-half punch-outs per nine innings, which is very nice to see. And he's forked down the walks. Now he's given out one walk or fewer in three out of his last four starts. That is encouraging, and he's... Going up against the Royals, seeing that they just haven't had a lot of thumping in general themselves. You've had Bobby Jr., Vinny Pascantino, Salvador Perez. I'll give you between six and seven home runs apiece going into yesterday. And I believe that the rest of the team, outside of these three guys, had a combined 14 home runs overall for the season. And here's really the big issue for the Kansas City Royals. The entire bottom of the lineup can hit. MJ Melendez, Framio Reyes, Jackie Bradley Jr., Kyle Isabel, Mike Massey, Nate Eaton, Hunter Dozier, all entered into yesterday, hitting at 215 or lower. Pascantino has been able to hit 285. And Salvador Perez, over the last three weeks, it's hitting north of a 325. He has been absolutely incredible with that regard. Been able to get a little bit of something as well out of Freddie Furman, but that said, it's a light-hitting Royals team. you got a pair of pitchers that have really been struggling, but you've got a pair of offenses that have really been struggling as well, so... It's a good old situation of something's got to give. I do think that Brady Singer might be able to tap into what he was able to do a little bit more last season. I set him as a minus 107 favorite. At current numbers of minus 107 that I'm seeing with the Royals, that is the absolute max I'm willing to lay, but I'd be willing to lay that number with the Kansas City Royals. That said, I'm going to be in a little bit of wait and see mode, see what I can get in terms of perhaps a plus price with the White Sox and or see if this becomes a little bit more of a pick game, but at current numbers, we'll be willing to lay that minus 107 and 7.2, so at a 9.5 slash 10, looking at the under as well, 9.57, 9.58 on the betting board, the Tampa Bay Race at the red face off against the New York Yankees. Domingo Herman is going for the Yankees and Drew Rasmussen is on the bump for the Tampa Bay Rays. Rays are minus 125 favorites between plus 105 and plus 112 is your number on the Yankees, 8.5 is the total over and under both at minus 110 and set the Rays out of minus 137. I'm going to be willing to lay it with them. The Tampa Bay Rays, other than really when I took them with my DK Nation right to pick on Tuesday, they've been able to do an amazing job all season long. The Tampa Bay Rays lead the league in terms of ERA. They lead the league in terms of 
total home runs. It has been the complete package for this team as you've got Yandy Diaz, Randy Arozarena, Wander Franco. Between the three of them thus far this season, and drinking to yesterday, 25 home runs, all hitting at least a 310. You've got Harold Ramirez, Josh Lowe, also hitting above a 310. I mean, my goodness. This lineup has been absolutely locked and loaded. It's really hard to find someone hitting below a 250. Brandon Lau has been rough with regards to batting average, and so has Christian Bethencourt, but that's that. All these guys are delivering on that front. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, top three team in terms of bullpen ERA as well. Jason Adams has been able to do a great job of being able to supply a sub-2 ERA. Zach Birdie, Chase Anderson, these have been some untapped gems that they've been able to really dig up. They're currently without Garrett Clevenger as they've had to mix and match a little bit with the bullpen. But, I mean, that said, the Royals have been able to do an incredible job there. Meanwhile, for the New York Yankees, currently the number one team in the big leagues in terms of their bullpen ERA. It's been a little bit rough with Clay Holmes having his ups and downs, but... I mean, you take a look at all these guys like a Albert Abreu Jr., Ron Metanacchio, Michael King, Ian Hamilton, Wandy Peralta, all supplying a sub-3 ERA. Jimmy Cordero has been a little bit hot and cold, but he's got right around a 3-1-4 ERA as well, so these guys have done their part. The problem for the Yankees and the bigger reason why they're one of the top teams to the under and all baseball has been the lack of consistency in the lineup as you've got Anthony Rizzo hitting about a 300. He's been able to supply six home runs, and no doubt about it, Part of the reason why they were playing some unders last few weeks was having Aaron Judge out, getting him back, even if he's not quite at 100%. That's a big upgrade for this team, and Yankees have been able to hit a few overs last few days. Very simple as to why they were able to. They were playing against the Oakland A's, who might have the worst pitching staff I've ever seen in my life, but even with having just gone through a series against the Oakland A's, you've still got all these guys who are struggling at the plate as Anthony Volpe, along with... The much maligned Aaron X, Jake Bowers, Oswaldo Peraza, Isaiah Canerfalefa, Oswaldo Cabrera, Kyle Gashioka, Jose Trevino, all these guys, a 218 or lower. When he's been up at the big league level, Franchi Cordero's hit a buck 51, though I know that he's been going up and down between the majors and the minors, but I mean, both of these teams, they've got very good bullpens with Domingo Armand. I think that he's going to be able to give a relatively good start here, and I do think that there is going to be some regression with the Tampa Bay Rays lineup. Keep in mind that they were 25th in the league in terms of home runs last season. I don't think they're going to be able to keep up quite this sort of a pace, and for Armand, he has given up a combined three earned runs in his last 13 and a third innings. That was starts against Cleveland Guardians, and then he was on the road facing up against the Tampa Bay Rays, and said a good job with his command. He's been giving up right around about 2.6 blocks per nine innings. His strikeouts per nine rate has back to right around 10, so I think that there should be a good start to be had there, and for Drew Rasmussen, by and large, he's been able to do a solid job. He did have a pair of rough outings against the Astros and the Toronto Blue Jays, and obviously it was with Aaron Judge out of the full, but Last time he faced off against the New York Yankees, which is his most recent start, by the way. He was able to go five and two-thirds inning scoreless for Rasmussen thus far this season. Right around about nine and a half strikeouts per nine innings, about two and a half walks per nine innings. So I do think that both of these pitchers are going to be able to go out, have a relatively solid performance. That might tell at an 8.2, even though it is the Yankee Stadium. I'm willing to take the eight and a half under, but with the Rays, set them at a minus 137. Going to be willing to ride with them on the money line. 9.59, 9.60 on the betting board. It is the Oakland A's, and they play us the Walker, Texas Rangers. It was looking like it was going to be Ken Waldachuk going for the Oakland A's. As of right now, it is good old TBD, and he's going to be going up against Nathan Eovaldi for the Rangers. And at this point, I think that TBD might actually be an upgrade to Ken Waldachuk, because when it was supposed to be Waldachuk versus Eovaldi, 
I set the Rangers at a minus 224 on the money line. I was willing to go up to a minus 135 on the run line. This is going to be largely the same. I mean, this actually could go up a little bit because if it's an Oakland A's bullpen game, oh, good grief, what are we going to be able to expect there? But, I mean, the Oakland A's are just running out of arms at this point. I mean, could we see a return to the... Rotation for Shidetto Fujinami. Who knows, because he hasn't thrown since Sunday, but, I mean, good grief. I don't think I'm going to be moving my numbers too much off of what I was expecting when it was supposed to be Waljachuk, but, I mean, for the Oakland A's, they've got north of a 7 ERA as a collective. The bullpen stinks. This starting rotation has stunk. I mean, you just have absolutely nothing whatsoever with this poor 8-30 team, and, of course, they're coming out here to lovely Las Vegas, tearing up the Tropicana, so that's going to be very nice. The Oakland A's may have been able to provide a little bit of offense, but all that offense has come on the road. If you take a look at what they've done on the road thus far this season, it's honestly not been bad. Anything about a 250, may be able to supply about 1.3-ish home runs per game, and then they return home because... It's about as pitcher-friendly of a ballpark as it gets, and they're down to about 0.8 home runs per game, hitting at 213 as a collective. You've had Estadio Ruiz do a very solid job. I believe that he leads the league in stolen bases, hitting at 265. So that's been nice for the team. Brent Rooker has been solid, being able to hit a 317 with 10 home runs. But past that, you haven't been able to get much of anything out of this team. In terms of their pitching, in terms of their hitting, and they go up against Ethan Rivaldi, who does give up some contact. I mean, you take a look at him since the beginning part of the 2014 season, but it's hit about a 260 off of him, but he has been amazing down the stretch. He's given up a combined five earned runs over the course of his last four games, and his last two starts came against the LA Angels and the New York Yankees. A combined no run surrendered in 17 innings with two walks and 13 punch outs. He is in a very good peak form. It's a Texas Rangers bullpen that has been a little bit all over the place. They're right around league average in terms of their bullpen ERA as you've been able to have a trio of guys in Jose LeClerc, Brock Burke, along with John Hernandez, all guys that had a sub-3 ERA last season do a solid job. When you get into guys like Uri Rodriguez and company, gets a little bit more dicey, but the Rangers should be able to dicey on up this Oakland A's pitching staff that just in general has been absolutely terrible. And they're doing this all without Corey Seager, by the way. They're right now leading the league in terms of runs per game as Marcus Simeon, Larry Tavares, Travis Janikowski, Jonah Heim, Ezekiel Duran, all hitting at least a 290. You've had Adelise Garcia, Josh Young, combined for 17 home runs. They're hitting lefties well. They're hitting righties well. They've got a locked and loaded lineup. This, to me, just should be complete domination regardless of who the Oakland A's are out there. I mean, like I said, with Waldeschuk versus Valdi, I made the Rangers minus 135 on the run line, minus 224 on the money line. I think I'm going to be sticking relatively close to that number, and I made the total an 8.6 where an 8.5 or less looking at the over 9 or higher to the under, and I think, once again, if you get some sort of like a bullpen game with the A's, probably going to be sticking with that number as well, and then we wrap things up with my DK Nation right up pick, 961-962 on the betting board. It is the San Diego Padres on the road against the Minnesota Twins. Bailey Ober goes for the Twins, and you Darvish goes for the Padres. Total on this game is 8.5. Unders between minus 115 to a minus 120. The overs between even to minus 105. Padres are between minus 108 to minus 120 favorites. And between even money and plus 105 is your number on Minnesota. And I did set the Padres at a minus 123 on the money line, but right a pick here is going to be on the under. As a matter of fact, if you go down to an 8, I would still be willing to take this under as semi-tall as 7.7. You got a San Diego Padres team 
that when you take out of the fold the fact that they had those two games in Mexico City, this team has really not been able to give you anything whatsoever on offense as excluding those Mexico City games, the San Diego Padres entered into Wednesday night averaging 3.8 runs per game with a batting average of a .225, both of which dead last in the National League. Meanwhile, the Minnesota Twins entered into Wednesday night hitting a .219 as a collective. Dead last in the big leagues with four runs or fewer scored in six out of their first seven games in the month of May. Twins have actually picked it up with their bullpen. They're up to 11th in terms of bullpen ERA. They get Ore Alcala back in the fold. Ore Lopez, Yohan Duran. These guys have been relatively solid. You want to be absolutely avoiding Emilio Pagan at all costs. And Giovanni Morin has not necessarily been himself this year. 552 ERA, but provided 221 ERA last season. I think that he's going to be able to pick it up. And for the San Diego Padres, they've been in the bottom half of the big leagues. There's a bullpen ERA as well, but feels like they're starting to get back on the correct track. Josh Hader has been terrific for this team. Tim Hill has been able to supply a sub-3 ERA. Steven Wilson has been a little bit up and down, but Luis Garcia, after a disastrous start to the season, he seems to be finding it. But you should take a look at the San Diego Padres. We talked about them briefly with our good friend Curtis Rogers and got a lot of guys that are just underachieving. Going into yesterday, Matt Carpenter, Trent Grisham, both hitting in that pocket about a 225. Austin Nola has been a disaster up at the plate. Juan Soto is now hitting a 254. Whoop de doo. But and you don't have a single guy that's really giving you north of six home runs thus far this season. And for the Minnesota Twins, Byron Buxton is starting to pick it up with the power numbers. Eight home runs going into yesterday, but hitting just a 233. And you just have nobody that is consistently moving the line for the Minnesota Twins. Among players that have gotten at least 50 at bats thus far this season, you've had three guys hit above a 233. Not so great. And one of those guys is Ore Palanco, who's been able to do a solid job since getting back in the fold. But you just take a look at all these guys like Jose Miranda, Carlos Correa, whenever he's been out there. Joey Gallo, because he has been injured. Kyle Garlick, you're able to go down the line of guys and get 220 or lower. You've got Trevor Larnish at a 221. This team does draw a few walks, but I mean, it's not like they've necessarily been doing an amazing job in terms of their power numbers as well since that hot start to the season. Joey Gallo has cooled off whenever he's been out there. And then for both of these pitchers, they've been rock solid. For you, Darvish, all three of his home runs allowed this season came in Mexico City. And I mean, for you, Darvish, he's been able to do a very good job giving up three earned runs in his last three starts that were not in Mexico City coming against the Brewers. The LA Dodgers and on the road against the Arizona Diamondbacks has always had his issues when he has been on the road since going to San Diego. He does have a ERA on the road that's about a point and a half higher than it is at home, but this is a very pitcher-friendly ballpark. Meanwhile, for Bailey Ober, he's made three starts thus far this season and he's given up two runs. He has been absolutely sensational. Six walks in 18 and a third inning, 16 punch outs. Has always done a relatively solid job to be able to keep the walks out. Biggest thing for him has always been hard contact and seems like he's been able to share that up quite a bit and going up against the San Diego Padres. That should be able to help them out. Darvish and over in the last 35 days. They have played one out of the eight games that they have started over the total. I do think that the trend of unders between these two gentlemen, it is going to be continuing. My DK Nation write-up pick, that is going to be on this total under. And when it comes to Padres, we'll lay up to a minus 122 with them. And that'll wrap things up. For the Thursday edition of the Baseball Winning Show, now part of the Visa Family Podcast, big thanks to Curtis Rogers over at 710 Seattle Sports for joining me in the last segment. If you do like hearing from this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and tune in. If you have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at Gina underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters, EM. 
Maybe it does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline and the other ways find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you are able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, and that means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.